0: Welcome to the Made for Hope podcast. I'm Sarah Ward. This month is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Month, a time to remember all the babies who have been lost too soon and the moms and dads who remember them. Today, my guest is Anna Kettle. Anna is a writer who lives in Liverpool, England, and has endured three miscarriage losses. Although every loss has been difficult for their family, the third one was especially heartbreaking. Even in the loss, Anna believes in sharing her story and the healing power of words. So here is Act One, Anna's before and after moment.
1: me the um kind of the big before and after was actually it sounds weird to say but it wasn't my first miscarriage it was actually my third one and um that might sound a little strange But I think it was because the first one we had was just sort of like oh no we've miscarried and it's sad but you know it's one in four isn't it it happens it's awful but it does happen to a lot of women and I had had quite a number of friends who'd have miscarriages between kids and, you know and it, and it's it's a hard thing to go through always, you know, whether you've had one or, you know, three or five or however many. But there is that sense of like, when you just have one, oh, well, you know, we'll get over this and then we'll try again and everything will be fine again, I'm sure. And actually, even clinicians tell you that, you know, you go to the hospital and they're like, it's really normal. Don't worry about it. You know, and so friends and doctors, everyone tells you that after you've had a miscarriage. Like, don't worry, you know, I'm sure everything will be fine next time. That's kind of what we believed. It was the third miscarriage that was difficult for us because that tipped us over into recurrent. I think recurrent miscarriage is, it's a different, you know, that's a different thing. It's like, oh, this could be, it tipped us over from being like, well, it's just one of those things to, oh, there could actually be something serious wrong that might long-term jeopardise our kind of chances of having a family we was wanted and dreamed of and expected, actually. So it was partly because of that tipping us over into a current which is much more complicated with a third, but it was also because it was our first missed miscarriage. And by missed, I mean, you literally walk into the scan thinking everything's fine, you know, no signs of anything going wrong, no twinges of pain, nothing, no bleeding. And then you get told, just get told, there's no heartbeat. I'm sorry, your baby's died. And in... I think you know it's probably the moment that every parent dreads the most, every parent's bee dreads the most it's It's like in a moment in an instant like the whole bottom falls out of your world it's It's just so instant and so final, and there's no warning like for us we'd actually on that because we'd had previous miscarriages, we were tracked quite carefully by our hospital, and we'd seen the baby's healthy heartbeat like you know less than two weeks before that, and everything seemed fine and Everyone was, all the doctors were saying, oh, you know, you're, you're over the worst part now. I think everything's looking good and we felt good. Um, so it was just really unexpected for us and it, it was so sudden and it just completely floored us. And um, that was the moment, I think, where everything changed.
0: Where is God when things go wrong? It's a question I've wrestled with in dark moments and yet I know the answer. Even when God feels absent, he is still there. Grief temporarily numbs us and steals our joy, but he is still there, holding us in our pain. For Anna, she felt all the emotions, shock, anger, sadness. Grief left her completely in pieces, but she's found healing. And even when hope was lost, she found her way back to focusing on a different outcome. So here's act two, A Heart in Pieces. Tell me a little bit about how you dealt with that grief and loss over the months that followed, because as the shock wore off, what happened next? How were you feeling and dealing with that situation?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's a good question. I think initially you just you're so shocked I mean the first thing I said was like are you sure you know as if they've made a mistake on these kinds of things you know but but that that was like the first thing that came out of my mouth it's like you know and then sort of like so there's that shock and disbelief and then seconds later I was just like can't really describe it except that my body was just totally like taken over with anger was so flooded with anger and rage, like I can't believe this is happening to us again, and like how can this be like why is God doing this to us and just you know and then the sadness follows, and I think you know as it sort of settles a little bit it's like and you start to sort of process it a bit more just incredible sadness like we were just floored for a long time, you know we just I was tearful, I couldn't function for days we were just I don't know, completely in pieces. I um, Yeah, so I think initially there's that. And then I think in some ways, but in some ways that bit's easier because you're allowed to be in pieces at the beginning. You know, people expect that. People bring you around like flowers, you know, meals, you know, keep messaging you to say, are you okay? And, you know, you get signed off work for a few weeks. And so almost in some ways that's okay because you can afford to fall apart at that bit but I think it's, but the harder bit for us almost was like the long-termness of it, like after a couple of weeks, it wasn't okay. It wasn't suddenly going to be okay again. Um, And yeah, and I think for us, it just became a question of like, just, you just have to keep going one day at a time, just one foot in front of the other. And grief, I think is a lot like that. And I've talked to a lot of people since who've been through grief and, it is like that. I think once you've been through that initial roller coaster of emotions, then it's just like, this is going to take a really long time to process fully and to get through. And it's just one day at a time, just take, you know, one moment at a time, one foot in front of the other. Just, you know, I think as well for us, having a son already, he was five by this point, or he's five now, he was probably four then. Um, that helped as well because every day we had to get up and just put on a brave face and do stuff with him and take him to parties and football and school and everything else so that keeps you going on the surface and I think that was probably my saving grace in it all in that I having him and I didn't just allow myself to just fall into total depression over it and hopelessness I had to just find the good you know in the everyday, and I think that's what we tried to do
0: Where did you struggle in your faith or did you struggle in your faith on this journey of of healing and grief? Yeah, I mean, I think
1: the third one in particular for us was, um, I don't know, it floored us both for a long time. And I think a large part of that was, um, you know, disappointment in God. I think, you know, for a number of reasons, we really felt like this third child was, well, Fourth child, but third kind of pregnancy loss was going to be one to keep. We'd prayed a lot. There was a lot of people praying for us and just for lots of different reasons. We just felt like this one was going to be okay. And then, of course, when it isn't, that just left us with a lot of questions to wrestle through, like, where's God when things go wrong? I guess that's the question, you know, it's the ultimate question, isn't it? It's like, they, if God loves us, how could he let this happen to us? And So, yeah, we've wrestled with all of those kind of existential questions quite a lot in the aftermath. Yeah, I think we had a lot of anger to process. And, um, yeah, it, it took some time. It, it's hard. I felt like it was a loss of hope for a couple of reasons, partly because of the stuff I already talked about around it, tipping us into recurrent miscarriage. Um, and it was also because there was no answers at the end of it like so you know we had we had some um, we had some tests afterwards some dna samples were taken from my my third miscarriage and they showed like a healthy baby girl like there was nothing wrong with them you know quite often people say oh well maybe it was the best you know maybe you know there was something wrong in a sense we came away from this scenario like no answers and also because there's no answers and it's still unexplained in infertility it's still unexplained miscarriage you know like for so long in in infertility I think you know any any form of infertility I think actually the focus is always like I just need to get to the end and the end being like when we get a baby when we get a healthy pregnancy when we get a full-term you know healthy child at the end of this Um, and you know the sad fact is that doesn't always happen you know gosh, we still hope it would happen for us. But I think as time goes on, you realise that um, that may be less and less likely. And I think if all your hope is in that outcome, then, you know, quite quickly everything falls apart. Um, So I think we've had to learn to not put all our security and all our confidence and all our hope just on that thing, on like God will give us this baby, God will answer our prayers, but, but also that can't be our ultimate hope. that can't be in that outcome, because we don't know if we'll get it. That's been a big shift for me. It's like realizing that my hope can't be in the outcome. It's got to be in God. Really, that's the only sure, firm hope that we've got.
0: Act three is about finding the gifts in our brokenness. When you're in grief, some days the only gift you can find is seeing the birds in the sky or watching the orange glow of the sunset and realizing that you've made it through another day. Some days, the gifts we find are small. But sometimes in those tiny reminders, we realize that hope is not lost. It resonates like a heartbeat. It beats in our soul, reminding us to hang on to these small gifts of grace. Gratitude filling our cups by drops. For Anna, she has learned that the gift can be an invitation to draw closer to God in her pain. And in that invitation is hope and healing. Here's Act 3, Pressing into God when you're brokenhearted.
1: Well, there's been a couple of major ones May I think the first one has been the gift just of having to press into God more deeply, having to press into his presence. You know, there's that verse, isn't there, that in a, I think it's Psalm 34 that says, um, he draws close to the brokenhearted and to all those who are Christian spirit. And that's been a promise that I've held on to a lot during this season. Yeah, I suppose for me, you know, for quite a while I used to wrestle with verses that said things like, you you know, the the Beatitudes where it says, Um, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted and it's just like how can you be blessed if you're mourning like if you're grieving you know (laughs) that is not a blessing no one would choose that would they and then yeah and you know it was something I wrestled with for a while but I think actually for me the blessing hasn't been in the loss and in the grief itself it's been in the invitation to draw closer to God and to know that as I draw closer to him in that that he's there He's there in the most dark and hopeless moments. The other thing for me as well has been it's just been an invitation to be vulnerable and to be open about our struggles and our pain. Like we didn't have to do this. We didn't, you know I don't have to come on shows like this or blog about it and share our story. But it was something I really felt that I wanted to do, partly because I'm a writer and so it's naturally how I process and you know um, sort of just work through stuff myself. But also I think within that, there's been a real gift that's been quite unexpected in a way. Um, But as we've kind of put it all out there, while we're still in the middle of it, like, you know, our our story isn't finished yet. And so we're still very much in the middle of things and we don't know how it's going to end yet. Um, But putting it out and just being real with our pain and our brokenness Mm -hmm. and making ourselves vulnerable, um, I think that's been a gift because in the middle of it, I've been able to see how God can use that of brokenness and how he can use my story to to touch others so even doing things like this podcast you know what a great opportunity to share with someone else who might be getting through something similar um I yes. feel like every time I get a message back from someone or someone says to me you know I've met people who I know like from work or in real life you know not just like through the internet um who, who I've known for years people that I've gone to church with and they've said oh, I read your blog I had a miscarriage recently as well. and I've never told anyone that before. And, you know, reading your story makes me feel less alone. And just things like that are a gift because it makes what we've been through in some way a little bit more redemptive. There's some, like, redemption in there, even in the midst of the most messy broken parts of our own story. There's, like, there's some healing in there and that, that's healing for you and it's healing for others as well. Um, so that's been a really great and quite unexpected gift for me, actually. In the first sort of stages, in the first few weeks, just doing things that are about being a good friend. Someone would say things like, you know, hopping around. Like some of my friends were like, you know, how are you doing? And I'd be like, all right. And they're like, even if you don't want me to come over, I'm coming over with a bottle of wine and some flowers and some <laughs> chocolate or a new book or whatever, you know, just gifts, take random meal if they've got other kids already, take their kids for a few hours so they can have some time to themselves um, as a couple. You know, just small acts of kindness, te- regular texts, so they're thinking of them and you're praying for them. I think so often with death, and you know, whether it's miscarriage or another form of death, and you probably find same, there, but so many people struggle. I think a lot of people just don't know how to deal with it or handle it or talk about it and so it's almost like ignored like the elephant in the room and I think the worst thing you can do as someone's friend or family member is just kind of not say anything like even if you don't know what to say I think the thing to say is I really don't know what to say but I just want you to know that I love you and I'm here for you and you know I'm thinking of you but the other thing I'd say is um Kind of thinking about the longer term as well, like if you're a friend or family member for the long haul, so thinking about things longer term, like when it's Mother's Day, when it's the anniversary of a death, when it's, I don't know, the due date that never happened, those kind of dates, be there if you can remember those and just be aware and yeah, just be there longer term as well. It's easy to say after you're out of the worst of it, and it's so hard to remember when you're in the middle of it, but when things are painful and hurting and everything feels like it's falling apart it's it's not forever it's it's just now you know like our season has gone on for three years it seems like a really long time but you know I still have to stand back sometimes and say we're not always going to be in the middle of this like one day life will have moved on and you know We'll be in another stage of life, and this won't always be the thing that's like hanging over us. It, you know, it's hard right now, but I think getting that perspective. And I suppose my advice would just be like, hang in there, and also just hang on to Jesus. Just hang on so tight to Him, and put your hope in Him rather than in the outcome, because you know that's the hope that will never kind of disappear. It will never, it will never, never disappoint. You know, it's the only firm hope we've actually got is in Him and um, not in a specific outcome.
0: Thanks to my guest, Anna Kettle, who is coming out with her first book in spring 2021. It's a collection of devotionals about learning to live a slower and more soulful life. You can pre-order Sand Between Your Toes on Amazon right now. To learn more about Anna, check out her website at Anna Kettle. or find her on Facebook or Instagram. I'll put all those links in the show notes too. If you've experienced loss and need some ways to help remember your loved one, I have a grief resource that gives you 24 ways to cherish your loved one's memory. You can find the link in the show notes as well as many other resources at sarahrward.com. Thanks so much for listening.